God's got you guys. He's got you, friend. He's got you. He's going to lead you. He's going to give you strength. Who knows where I'm going to go with this message, but I'll do my best. All right, 1 Peter uh, 5, 2 through 4 says this. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in charge, in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Put my gum here. Listen, this, let's just go pray. Father, I thank you. We have, I prayed a lot, but I'm going to stay praying. I want to stay in this spirit. I want to stay there, Lord. I want to stay close to you. But will you take the next 40 minutes or whatever? Will you speak through me? Lord, there's some heavy stuff in this message. Truth, though. Will you change those that need to be changed? Will you, will you, will you reach us? Will you talk to us? Will you convict us? Will you strengthen us? Do all the things you promised, Lord. Sanctify this church. Work in cobblestone. Have your way here and be glorified here. In Jesus' name, amen. This is the last message in a series of discipleship. But listen, church, this is certainly not the last time you're, you're going to hear leadership push on discipleship. Remember, John and Andrew both said, uh, not discipling is not an option. Amen? It's part of who we are. As elders, when we shepherd the flock, that's the reason I read that, the shepherd the flock well, shepherd you guys well, we believe that making discipleship is going to be such a, a main theme of cobblestone. It's going to be our, in our DNA. So we're not just going to be like, preach a series and never talk about it again. No, it's, it, needs to be, it needs to be who we are, what we do, where we're going, and how we're going to get there. Discipleship has to be in and around and through all of that. Um, so we're going to make disciples here. We're going to stay the course. We're going to keep teaching into it, helping you, guiding you, giving you material. We're not, we're not hey, we preach four sermons on discipleship now, you know, back to life as usual. No, we want to keep pushing you and challenging you. Um, but I'd like to take a quick moment here and do some, some interesting thing corporately. I already did the marching thing. You're like, where's he going now? But I, I really want to honor some people. I want to be just an encourager, as I so often am. Um, some wonderful things that I'm seeing. So I pulled in Friday morning here at the church, a little bit before six o'clock, and I come in to a men's ministry, right? And, and men's ministry is meeting in the back room back there at six in the morning. And, and the, I, I pull in and I see a bunch of other guys coming in, a bunch of guys. Some guys were like, like me, sipping on coffee and thinking, what did I get myself into, right? Other guys were walking like this, you know? And, and those guys I, I really don't like, but um, I'm working it out. I'm working it out. So it, so it was a beautiful thing. And so men's ministry, I just want to say this. And then I heard, uh, I believe it Monday night at Scott's house, there was a full house, a lot, of be, a lot of guys. And I just want to say, thank you, men. Thank you, fellas. Yeah, thank you. Um, we love you. As an elder, it's a, it's a blessing to see men buying in. It's a blessing to see men participating. It's a blessing to see you saying, I'm going to try. It's a blessing to say, saying, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want to be a part of this. So I thank you, and I praise God for the work that he's doing in your life and you joining us. And el as an elder, I just want to say, I see that, and I thank you for that. I want to talk to the ladies. My wife leads uh, a, a women's ministry uh, at her house, little group or whatever. Where's Heather at? There you are. Hey, babe. Um, so I want to speak to the ladies. There's a lot of women that are buying in. They're coming. They're attending. They're showing up. They're part of a group. They're part of a family. They're part of, a, of what God's doing here in the women, right? They did a little bowling, but bowling turned into some fellowship Friday night. Was it Friday? Yeah. Okay. 
See, that's what wives are good at, right? You just, am I talking right? You know, tell me when I'm wrong. Um, uh, equipping night, the one that's going on tonight. I just want to encourage you guys. We're seeing hunger. We're seeing people come out. We're seeing people say, equip me, grow me. I trust you. I want to love Jesus better. I want to grow in my word more. And I see it and we see it as elders. And I want to say, thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for trying. Thank you for making the time, making the sacrifice for buying in. Family night, the one we have next week. Thank you for coming. We, we had more people than what we thought for these things. And what it tells me is you're a church that's hungry. You're a flock that says, feed me. We want more. We're, we're in this. And I want to say thank you. We see you and we appreciate that. And praise God for you. Praise God for that. We got prayer nights happening. People are showing up and praying and meeting Jesus and worshiping. We have youth ministry. We're in a little bit of a different period. But I thank, uh, yeah, I thank the people that are volunteering and helping and giving. I thank you for the parents and their patience, right? I thank you for the love. I thank you for the support. And, and, and thank you. Thank you, guys. Listen, we also have on this, this thing that we do here on Sunday morning. You know how many people sacrifice time, energy, money to make this happen? And I want to say we, we see you as elders and we thank you. We thank you if you're part of the kids ministry, a volunteer, if you're sound, coffee, parking, uh, security, if you meet and greet, if you're a part of the prayer team, whatever you do to help this process, we thank you. And as elders, we see you and we want to shepherd you well. So, hey, thanks, guys. God's doing something here. People are, people are making an effort. That's a, man, I've been in church leadership quite a bit of my life and one of the most discouraging things is when you, when you put together something and nobody comes, you know? And I've done that. And so I just want to say thanks and praise Jesus and glorify his name. And I want to say, guys, come on, let's keep going. God's working on cobblestone. God's here. God's creating unity and joy and peace. God's working in our lives. He's bringing people that never knew each other. And now they're starting to really care for each other. This is what he does. This is what Jesus does. Um, so... Before we get in our message, and most of our messages, if you're a Bible person, you can put your finger on it. Put your finger on Matthew 24. Uh, we're going to do a big portion of my message is going to be 24, 42 through 51. Okay? A lot of it. We're going we're to unpack that. But before I go there, I want to ask, has anybody ever heard the term adulting? Anybody? Any, okay, raise your hand if you've heard the term adulting. All right. Little, we're a little less than last service, but we're heading in the right direction. What this adulting is, for you people that are saying, what's he talking about? I didn't say adultery. I said adulting. Um, adulting is basically growing up, basically paying bills, paying insurances, taking over car payments, house payments. It's, it's called responsibility, right? And so these young folks have termed this, going this, now I'm adulting. Well, I'm taking on responsibility. I'm not under mom and dad as much. I'm growing up, right? So in this spirit of adulting, there's also something that I had to deal with about 10 years ago. I had to really dive into deep responsibility. So um, it's called the God forbids. Anybody ever heard of the God forbids? Raise your hand if you have. Okay, a little bit. Okay. But, but, but Lindsay, this is what I told last service. I said, no, you haven't heard of it because it's not, not a thing. I mean, of course, we all know the term God forbid, but the God forbids I'm coining today. So you're welcome. The God forbids are this. In my life, in her life, with these kids, with the responsibilities, you, uh, in your adulting, you have to hit a spot where you have the God forbid conversations. And the God forbid conversations are tough. They're not easy. Nobody wants to deal with them. But you have to have them if you're going to be responsible. The God forbid, I die. 
right? God forbid she dies. How much life insurance do I need? Heather, I kid you not, she wants millions of dollars of life insurance and she's feeding me bacon every day. Pray for me. I'm kidding. I'm like, she wants to be rich, man. I'm like, oh, bacon, bacon, bacon. That's probably a, you know, she's a little sinister. She's not. But we've had those God forbid conversations and she's, I hate having these. Hey, babe, we gotta have these. This is part of growing up. This is part of being an adult. Um, Something else that I wanna encourage you about the God forbid is be careful with the God, God forbid conversations. This is a dangerous one. If your marriage is any kind of, don't do it. Hey, she says, if something, God forbid, happens to me, what kind of woman would you remarry? Man, guys, come on. That's a, that's a setup. That's a trap. You know, one that can cook, one that can, you know what I mean? I would look for one that pays, makes a lot of money. I mean, if you say those things, she's going to, boom, kick you right out. Be careful with that. Or, or if, you're, if you're short, bald, and fat, and you said, honey, what? God forbid something happens to me. What kind of guy? Uh, tall, dark, and handsome, right? If she says that, then you, and, and here's the worst part. And, and if she says a name of somebody that's single, then you better watch out. You might be getting poisoned. So I kid, I'm just kidding. Anyways, these God forbid things are, are, are real. So, but in the, in the spirit of the God forbid conversations, one of the most important ones is when you have little kids, is God forbid something happens to the both of us at the same time, who would we trust our kids to, right? Who would we trust our kids to? We literally had this conversation three weeks ago on an airplane flying to Florida. Never have this conversation about you both dying on an airplane. That is a horrible idea. It'll create anxiety and worry, and you'll be like, why, did I, why are we talking about this? We need to stop, right? So, but you need to have this conversation. It's, it's real, for us parents, we don't want to just be like, you know, let whatever happens, happens. So who would, who would we trust to raise our kids? Who would love them like us? Who would raise them and teach them like us? And these are questions that you start to ask. The people that you're starting to narrow down and think of and the families, first off, is can they? Are they in the right age, right? I mean, if they're 90 and you have three-year-olds, it's probably not a good mix, Right? Not that they're not good people, but they're just, they're older, and that would be really rough. The quest, other question is, could they? Do they have the discipline? Do they have that? And then, listen, would they be faithful and trustworthy to raise them the way you and your spouse raised them, right? You ask this. These are real questions. And so, I have a lot of people, <laughs> Lauren told me last service that, that she loved how I said, I have a lot of people that love me. I do. I do. If you don't have a lot of people that love you, I'm sorry for that, but I have a lot of people that love me, and I'm thankful for them, okay? I'm not boasting. I'm just being, okay. I got a lot of people that love me, but the truth is, is just because they love me doesn't mean I would trust my kids to them, right? Doesn't mean just because they love me or they're for me doesn't mean Heather and I would trust them to raise our kids because they might, we might have love and relationship, but are they faithful and trustworthy? would be the things I'm looking for, not just love. So now, in the spirit of discipleship and evangelism, which I believe go hand in hand, listen, church, we are all called to evangelize. We are all called to do the work of an evangelist, the scriptures say. 
It's like, I know there's a, there's a calling like Billy Graham's, they're evangelists, but you and I are called to not only disciple, but we are called to share the good news, the gospel, to be a light. Amen? So, so some of what I'm going to teach on and talk on will be apl- applicable for discipleship, and some of it will be applicable for evangelism, and it'll kind of go back and forth. So I want to ask you as I dive into this, and, and I'm, I'm gonna, there's going to be some heaviness in it, and I don't, I'm not attacking you. I'm not dishing out a bunch of condemnation up here, but I also want to be faithful to the Word of God. So let me ask you some questions. Does the Father in Jesus trust you and I with his kids? Does the Father and Jesus trust you and I to lead, love, teach, serve his kids like he does or he would in your place? Are we faithful and trustworthy to his will for his family? That's the question. Are we? So often, and the focus is on you can trust God, you can trust God, and he's trustworthy and he's faithful, and that is good and true and needs to be preached and taught. But not so often do we say, can God trust you? Can God trust you? Where's your deal in this? Well, I love him, but can God trust you to do what he would do in your place? Can God trust you with his kids? Can God trust you to be faithful? So Matthew 24, 42 through 51, let's dive into that. He says, this is King Jesus talking in a parable. A parable is a um, fictional story with spiritual truths, and we will receive what it has for us. 42 says, therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this. That if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake, would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready. I underline, if you underline, underline your Bible. You must also be ready for the son of man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is faithful and wise servant? Who his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? And we'll go into this. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of the servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's a horrible place, and that place is hell. And we're going to talk about that in a bit. But first question I'd like to ask you, and as I unpack this, Jesus is coming back. Are you ready? Listen, Christians, this was an early church. They thought he was coming back every week, I think. They were like, he's coming back next week. I think so, you know. Come on, Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, come. They'd say that all the time. We've kind of as Christians, because of the longevity of grace and mercy that Jesus has extended to all of us, we've kind of been like, eh, mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, they said he was coming back, but he's not back, right? So we get this, this that we can fall into like, eh, not that big of a deal. Jesus is not returning in my lifetime. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. I'm not, I told last service, I'm not <laughs> prophesying when he's returning. And if I were, I'm false, and if I, I'm going to write a book about it, and I'd rec- like you guys to buy that. So I'm kidding. I'm not going to write a book about when Jesus returned. You know how many people have done that? And none of them were right. 
That's funny. Anyways, um, so Jesus is returning. Are you ready? Listen, look at what is the point of this, this sermon. Faithful and wise servant. Will you be? This faithful and wise servant, he, the master set him over his household, so he gave him responsibility. That's the first thing. The faithful servant gets responsibility, takes the responsibility, responds to the responsibility. Listen, to do what? To give them food in due season. This is, this is literally, in my opinion, a picture of discipleship. In due season. As you disciple people, there will be seasons where you lead them this way or lead them that way or work through this or work through that. In due season. He, so they can, that you feed and you grow. Then he says, blessed is that servant when he comes and finds so doing. Blessed is that servant Put your name in there, I pray. Blessed is Jeremiah when Jesus would return and find him so doing, being faithful to the servants, the body, to give them their food, help them, disciple, evangelize to them, and all the things that Jesus Christ has commanded us to do through the Great Commission. Amen? Go into all the world, make disciples of all men. There's a lot, but are we being faithful to it? Listen, if God pops in what your life, if God pops in this week, this year, if God popped in, are you faithful? Would you, I mean, just be honest with yourself. Like if the Lord Jesus showed up Tuesday, am I being faithful? That doesn't mean we have to be constantly praying and, and discipling and yeah, I preach all the time and teach. No, but am I being faithful to the things he's called me to be faithful to? And in some cases, it's in all cases, my marriage, my family, am I discipling them, Right? That's, that's pretty much weekly. That's pretty much daily. I got to love her, take care of them, disciple them, then people in my life, right? Are, am I being faithful to point them towards Jesus? Am I being faithful to evangelize? Am I being faithful like Jesus would be at a body shop like I am? Am I praying for the sick? Am I telling them those that are hurt and broken? Am I telling them about him? Are you being faithful? Amen? If God popped in, what would he see? What would he see? Let's look at the wicked servant and hope that we don't relate more to him. But the wicked servant says in himself, you know what he said? He says to himself, master's not coming back. Says the master's not coming back. I guess there's really not a big deal. So when, listen, when we really get into trouble is when we start preaching and listening to ourselves. When we start hearing our own voice more than the word of God. When we start hearing our own, well, it's not that big of a deal. I, how can this be? The, when the word of God says this and your own voice says that, you need to tell your own voice no and you need to obey the word of God. Amen? That's serving our Jesus. That's being faithful to God. So um, I want, I need, I'm unhappy. I don't think this is, the, this is bad. It's not a big deal. Everyone else is doing it. They're okay. Culture says it's okay. Media says it's okay. Bible's the only thing that says it's wrong. Eh, I think among myself, I don't, Jesus is not coming back. It's not a big deal. See what we do? We do this all to ourselves. Now look, the wicked servant also, he eats and he drinks with the drunkards. This is important. Jesus tells the story for a reason. He got a crowd change. Who you hang out with, we so often hear this. You are who you hang with. You are who you party with. You are. Well, no, no, I'm witnessing to him. Maybe but most cases, you're not. No, no, I go, I go out there and I hang with those guys. No, are those guys pulling you into their life or are you pulling them into Jesus's life? And I've watched this. I live in this world. 
Look, I'm not, I don't do this for a living. I work out there. I'm around car guys. It's, it's a real interesting group of guys. And praise God, I'm glad to be out there. But I know how quickly I can be like, I want what they got. I want what they got, you know? Rather than I want what Jesus has and I want to pull them into Christ. It's too easy. It's too easy. So we change our crowd, the wicked people do. The, the, the non-faithful people do. This crowd changes. Look, look, this is the truth. The master still came. He said, he thought it's not gonna happen, but he still came. He comes. Listen, folks, he's coming. Listen, Jesus is real. Some of you just need to hear that. Jesus is alive. Jesus is on the right hand of the Father. There is a guy named Jesus. He is God, and he is returning. Amen. And that's enough on that, right? Maybe you're like, that's enough, man. Jeez, I get it. I believe, right? Um, but what's he do? When the master returns, he puts this guy with the hypocrites. And you know what happens? It says there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. He casts him out. He says, you're not even a part of my group anymore. You're a hypocrite. You're false. You were part of us, but you don't believe in us. You're not obeying. You're not submitting. You're not doing anything I commanded. You are not faithful. You're wicked. And he casts him out. Listen, there are eternal consequences to our lives and actions. There are eternal consequences. So this morning, I felt like the Lord really wanted me to lean on this for a minute. In this thought, we don't hear it a lot anymore. Thank God we have preachers that preach the word here. But I've been a part of churches that don't like to touch on it. I'm just gonna say, there's a hell. Understand this. There's a hell. There's a heaven. There's a heaven to gain. And there's a hell to get out of. Listen, all people are born into sin. Jesus says, I did not come into the world to condemn the world. The world is already condemned. You and I are on a waiting list for hell. There's no other way to heaven. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Who said that? Jesus. He's the one way. Don't let him sell you that there's more ways. There's one way. Well, Jesus was a good man. Jesus was a prophet. No, Jesus is God and the Savior. And Christians need to know this and be rooted in this and be solid in this. Amen? One way. Jesus. Listen, he loves you. And some of you in this room, this is the thing that I felt so, oh, I was like, God, please have mercy. He's, I, I'm up here yelling and I'm up here pouring and I'm up here saying, and some of you are gonna say, no, I'm okay. I don't need him. I don't want him. And unfortunately, there will be people from these services, I pray not many, but they're gonna be lost forever because you rejected Jesus. You turned your back on, on the gospel, the good news. You were wicked. You didn't obey. You weren't faithful. You didn't trust him. Friends, listen. Trust him. He's trustworthy. Give your life to him. Don't run from him. Run to him. Don't try to figure it all out. Don't try to get your life all together. Don't try to put all the, well, I'll get good and then I'll get saved. No, call on his name because he is faithful to save. And if you're lost, I'm not mad at you. I'm not condemning you. I'm telling you, there's hope in Jesus. And I pray today you meet him, you surrender to him, and you give up and you say, Lord, I'll be yours. I'm in. I don't know how this is all gonna look. I know I gotta get some disciple and I don't know much more than that, but I trust you. I trust you with my life and I repent and I give it to you. Will you do that? We're gonna take a moment and pray. Father, I don't wanna pass over the work of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that no one comes to the Father unless you draw them. So I, I know, I know in our culture, in our world, there are people in here that do not know you and they 
probably aren't listening to me, but I'm gonna ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would draw them that they, they, would not, they would be haunted by your spirit and your conviction, that they would, they would be like, I don't know, but I gotta know Jesus. I gotta meet him, I gotta follow him, I gotta know him, I gotta surrender to him. And Jesus, I pray that, that there will be a great harvest, there will be souls turned to you. And I bind up the lies of Satan. I bind up the deception of Satan. I bind up the convincing of false thinking from Satan. And I ask you, Jesus, to save those that are lost in here. Please, Lord, reach them. Please, Lord, get them. Please, Lord, help them, and then connect them so they don't wander. Connect them, connect them, connect them. Help us to love those, Lord, that are hurting, broken, and lost. In Jesus' name, amen? And now I'm going to move on. That was some heavy stuff, but now I've got to move on to the rest of this message. And, uh, whoo, man. Man, whoo. Okay, let me move back to the faithful and wise. Talked about the wicked. That's enough about the wicked. It's enough about the wicked. Um, but so some of us, through discipleship talks and teaching and stuff, we say, how do I disciple? And these are some questions that really start to rise in my conversations with people. So how do we live as faithful and wise servants as Jesus wants, to from this, wants us to from this parable? So faith, my 17-year-old right there in the flannel. <laughs> Stand up, faith. No, I'm just kidding. Um, she goes to a public school. She loves Jesus. She's trying to win lost people or at least be a light, right? She's trying. And I'm thankful for that. And I praise God for that. She and I got into a conversation about a week or so ago. And she says, Dad, there's just so much darkness in my life. There's so much immorality, sexual immorality. There's so many issues in and around my, me, my friends, my friend group, the people in my life, stuff that's heavy, stuff that's un, that, 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 that pastors don't like to dive into, Deep stuff, right? Identity stuff, right? So she's dealing with that. And, I, and she says, I just don't know. I don't know, how to, I don't know how to win them. I don't know how to be an evangelist. I don't know, I don't know how to change them. And I'm, going, I'm thinking in my brain as a preacher would, you know, I'm, I'm, I got a word. I got a word. I, you know, I got this is the scripture. And we do this all too often. We just speak. The Holy Spirit says, pause. Tells me to pause for a second. Just pause for a second and don't just give her a biblical cliche answer. Pause and listen to her, listen to her world. Hear how dark and broken and lost they are. And you know what? Here's the, here's the first point on how to be a faithful and wise servant. Cling to Jesus. It sounds so simple. It's not deep, awesome theology, but it's truth, friends. It's truth, and that's exactly what I, get so close to Jesus. Get, I'm gonna get my coat because I'm cold. Hopefully this is my coat. Otherwise, I just stole somebody's. It's mine. Okay, this is Jesus. Jesus is not my coat. Nobody email Andrew. So, but, but this is what I picture in my brain. This is an insight, and this is what I try to tell her. So if, if, if I'm going to be effective as an evangelist, as a disciple, as a Christian, I got to understand that this world is dark. This world is deceptive. This world is ruled by the enemies, the, the ruler power of the air. 
There's a lot that I'm not teaching on. But listen, if I'm going to be effective, the only way I'm going to be effective is being so close to the one that is effective. And so I'm going to cling to Jesus. If this is Jesus, this is the visual I have of my life of 40 years since I've gotten really serious about Christ. This is my answer to you guys. I cling to Jesus. I don't know how to love my wife. I don't know how to lead my family. I don't know how to be an example. I don't know how to be an evangelist. I don't know how to win lost people. I don't know how to disciple. Will you save me and help me? And I desperately need you. Do we cling to him like that? When's the last time you prayed that fervently, that radical, right? You guys are thinking I'm nuts, right? I promise I'm not, but a little bit, but cling to Jesus. And when you got him, don't let go. Don't let go because the world says, you've lost, you don't need to be so passionate. You don't need to take this stuff so serious. You're too sold out. You're too dedicated. You're too, oh, just let go. Just, no, don't you dare. Don't let go. You want to be effective? You cling. You cling. You keep him close. Beg him. Seek him. Trust him. Listen, faithful servants cling to Jesus. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Matthew 11, 28 through 30, this is King Jesus talking. This is how I look at my, 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 my often clinging. And he says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. There's a promise some of us need today. Take my yoke upon you, a yoke. Take it like the oxen. Take it upon you and learn from me. Right here. There's so much good teaching in there. Learn from me. How do I be effective, Jesus? How do I make an impact, Jesus? How do I set an example at my friends and my school and everybody? For learn what Jesus does. He's, I'm, he, I'm gentle, lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. There's a lesson right there. You want to be effective in your discipleship and your evangelism? Start working on your gentleness. Start working on your lowly in heart. Humbleness. He resists the proud. And the, the, draws the humble or receives the, the humble. Butchered that scripture. But anyways, listen. This is truth and you will find rest for your souls. I need rest for my soul. Do you? For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Oh, I love that. Not as hard as you're making it out to be. Get clinging to Jesus. Get trusting Jesus. Get walking like Jesus and he'll help you. Here's things that are, are very common. I'm gonna kind of pop through these that are in the faithfulness category that are in the faithful servant being a disciple or, or a disciple. Um, things that I hear all the time. I don't know how. So first, I don't know how. 2 Timothy 3.16, faithful people learn the, their Bible. 2 Timothy 3.16 through 17, this is, the, this is just 101. If I want to follow Jesus, I need to know what Jesus said. And there's a book that has a lot of what he said and taught and what the Holy Spirit taught through others. Okay, I need that. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That's you and me. That's, that's, that's not for superstar Christians. That's for us. Faithful people learn their Bible. Listen, faithful people follow faithful people. 2 Timothy 1, 13 and 14. Follow the pattern. This is Paul talking to Timothy, one of the most beautiful pictures of discipleship. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me. I like that. Follow the pattern of sound words you heard from me. He faithful people follow faithful people. And in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Oh, I love that. Faithful people follow faithful people that are following Christ Jesus. 
by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. And I like that. There's some responsibility. When you're a faithful person, following a faithful person, you need to guard what's God, what God's doing in your life. Make no mistake about it. The enemy is coming to steal, kill, and destroy that. Amen? All right, so I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid to disciple. I'm afraid to evangelize. I'm afraid to live out. It takes faith to be faithful. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God gave us the, a spirit, not of fear, promise, of power, love, and self-control. Listen, it's not the absence of fear. It's the power of, through the grace of God to overcome fear, to operate. Trust me, every Christian in this room that's mature, that's been serving God for a while, if they were honest, and they are, they've been fearful. They might be fearful. We face fear. Super Christians or Christians are producing fruit and being faithful that others see. They're not, they're not fearless. They have fear. They just have more faith than fear. And they allow God to move in their lives throughout, regardless of what the fear is saying. Now, this is another one I hear because I got a big personality and I talk a lot. I'm not like you guys. I don't have your personality or your boldness, etc. Right? I'm not like you. If I was like you, I could do more. Listen, stop comparing. You don't have to be like me any more than I have to be like you. And that should free us. This idea that there's, we all need to be like them or her, that's dumb. It's not even biblical. You need to be you in Christ. And I need to be me in Christ. And I need to produce what God's called me to produce. And you need to produce what God's called you to produce. Listen, Matthew uh, 5.16 says this. Let your light, I love that. I underline it. Your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Your light, not my light. You go to your school or you go to your workplace and you shine. Well, Jeremiah's light, he did. it ain't gonna work. You shine your light. I'm gonna shine my light where I'm at. And it works because God made me the way he made me and he made you the way he made you. Stop comparing. Stop like, well, I'm not, is this. Stop it, it's a lie of Satan. When he gets us looking at each other, look at him, amen? Okay, not too far from being done. All right, look at the parable of the talents, Matthew 25, 14 through 30. Don't, don't turn there, just listen to me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pop through it. This is a couple more parables down from the faithful servant parable. Now listen, a guy's leaving. He's going on a far journey. He calls his servants. He gives them his goods or talents. He gives them some money. He gives one guy five. He gives another guy two. And he gives another guy one. And then he says this, and this is so powerful if you would listen to it, to each according to his own ability. He gave the five, five must have been a mover and a shaker, gifted man. Uh, that guy gets it done. That guy knows how to invest. That guy's smart. What, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to give him five. He's faithful. I know this. He gives, he gives two, two, that's fine. You're two, no big deal. He says, here's two. What are you going to do with it? Then the one one was already kind of thought low of, really. One, hey, I'm going to trust you with one. I'm gonna, can you do anything with this? Right? Listen, God has put callings upon you and I according to our own ability. Not, you are not called to be me, and I'm not called to be you. Amen? We've got to hear this. What's your own ability? What has God given you? What platform has he given you? Who are the people around you? They're not around me. They're around you for a reason. Who are the people in your life? They're in your life, not my life. Are you going to be faithful and wise? 
Amen? So, so what happens here? What, 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 what's, how's the story go? The guy with five, he brings it back. You know what he says? Here's your five and here's five more. Doubled it. Nice job. You know what Jesus, the representative of Jesus would say? Good job or well done, good and faithful servant. Oh, that's good. The guy with two comes back, says, hey, you gave me two, here's four. Whoa, you doubled it. That's good. Well done, good and faithful servant. He didn't say, the other guy brought me 10 and you only brought me four. Not said. He was thankful for what he put on him because that's who he was. That was his ability. And look at all one talent. All one talent shows up on the scene and he says, you know, I hit it. What? I hit it. And then ultimately he says, why didn't you invest it? I would have rather had some, some interest than you hiding it in the dirt. And you know, one talent just, he, say, he comes and you know what he has? He has fear and he has excuses. Oh, God have mercy on us for fear and excuses. Stealing the fruit. Stealing what God wants to do in our lives. Fear and excuses. And the master says, you're lazy and wicked servant. So the talent was taken from one, one talent and given it to the 10. So 10 has 11. And, and, and we all know the story. Those that have will be given, right? Isn't this crazy? Isn't this good? Like, oh, I, I want to be faithful with what God's given me. I don't have to be anybody else. Be, be, get, get, under, get out from underneath that. Get out from underneath that. Okay? That guy got cast into outer darkness. I don't want you there. We already talked about that. Okay? Now, Amanda, well, Amanda, you don't have to come. And where's Amanda at? Is she in here? Whoa, right in front of me. All right, she's gonna close this in song. But, but last time you stood there, you probably, I, made, I made you feel really dumb probably, you know. I called worship team and then I preached for more. I'm gonna close with this, okay? And this is so vital. The last and most important thing to be faithful and a wise servant is the best way to be faithful is to stay focused on the faithful one. Listen, it's the, just like the cling. These are not profound revelations, but these will get you through life. Stay focused on the faithful one. Hebrews 12, one and two. Hebrews 12, one and two says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin, which clings, cling, clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Listen, right here. Looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The way to do this thing is to do it like Jesus did it. Jesus took a beating and got murdered and got slaughtered for you, and he was thinking of you. That's how you get through difficult situations. And you know what? Jesus was, was focused on all of us that are going to come to his kingdom, so he made it through his tough time. And you will make it through your difficulties and your tough times if you will look to Jesus, the author, the finisher, the perfecter of your faith. We must focus on Jesus. You must focus on Jesus. I must focus on Jesus. That'll, he'll get you there, right? He'll get you there. And Revelations 19 I love, I'm gonna read this out of my Bible. Revelations 19, 11 through 16. I love future Jesus. I love past Jesus. I love present Jesus. Anybody buying into a theme here? I love Jesus. But listen, listen. 
Past Jesus, these, I quoted a lot. That's great, wonderful. Thank you, Jesus. Present Jesus, he's, he's on the right hand of the Father. It's right where he's at. He's moving and working and interceding, doing all sorts of cool stuff. But future Jesus, future Jesus gets me pumped up. Future Jesus is, is a Jesus that we don't see a lot today, but he's coming. And this is, this is the Jesus that, I, I, that deserves to be worshiped and adored and served. And he, this is the Jesus that deserves us to be faithful to. Listen, then I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and the one sitting on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he's called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth come a sharp, comes a sharp sword, which is to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. So friend, why are you afraid? Why are you not faithful? Why are you not all in? Why are we making excuses when we have a Jesus that's that? He's powerful. He's victorious. He never loses. That's Jesus. And if I could stir your spirit just a little bit to walk out of here today and say, I love Jesus. He's got this and he's got me and I trust him and I'm leaning on him. Amen? Now, Amanda, now you can come sing. <laughs> oh, Jesus is so good. So listen, she's gonna sing, Tis So Sweet, wonderful hymn to just talk about trusting Jesus. Because here's the thing, some of us, that's it. It's just that simple. Today, you need to forget everything I said and just trust Jesus. Just trust him. Just trust him. Trust him, obey him, serve him, sacrifice for him, look to him, desire him, be faithful to him. He's worthy. She's gonna sing this song and, and we're gonna pray. Prayer teams are gonna be up here. Feel free to respond. Some of you, maybe that salvation poll, you talk to somebody, answer the call. Don't leave here and uncertain. If the Holy Spirit was working on you, don't walk out. Find someone that up here, find somebody that, that looks like they love Jesus and talk to them, you know? May, don't, don't leave with that. If you need prayer for anything, get prayer. Whatever you're carrying, whatever's going on, Jesus cares and he loves you and he wants to work in it. Make this song your anthem this week. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you see us, that you love us, that you're here. I thank you that we can be faithful and wise servants. Help us to push on. Will you work upon your people? Will you do what words cannot do? Will you dive into the hearts, the nature, the struggles, the wars that we're all facing? Will you visit us, Lord? Will you help us, Lord? In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>